Here in Minnesota, where I live, we are always looking for amusing things to do inside to stay warm and cozy when it gets freezing cold outside. For this wintry season, you and I are going to heat things up with a winter replay of my most playful, inspiring, and popular episodes from the past four seasons of Sadie's Divorce and Happy Podcast. I'm also including new intros in every episode so that we can stay connected until my deliciously tempting season five starts. So slip into something snugly warm and grab a hot and steamy drink. It's time to indulge in all of the winter replayfulness on Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast. How was your weekend? I hope it was playful. I hope you got out and did things. I had uh, the pajama party on Saturday night. And if you are on social media, you saw some clips and pictures from that. It was so fun, friend. We had a blast. I want to thank everyone who came out and showed up to have a good time and get to know other people. Everyone was very social, a lot of mixing and mingling and snacking and laughing. And I absolutely want to give a huge, huge high five to our two comedians, Hesley Ray and Sarah McPeck. They were so funny. And I loved how creative they got. They even wrote a song. They wrote a song uh, for us at the party about life after divorce. So I'm going to be posting that on social. Look for it on social. If you're not on social, follow me at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. It It was so endearing. They were amazing. So I am thinking... I put a feeler out on Instagram over the weekend in stories, and I'm thinking of doing a virtual pajama party. Let me know what you think, right? I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think it could be great fun. Well, today is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. And I really wanted to bring you a feel-good episode about love today because I know from my own personal experience that the topic of love, and I'm talking about romantic love right now, after divorce is tricky. It's very tricky. And it got me thinking, maybe we need a love positivity movement. Are you following me? Because, you know, we have a body positive movement. We have a sex positive movement. And I'm a big fan of both. I mean, I love that we celebrate and feel no shame about our bodies. It's, you know, own it, love your body. Your body is incredible. And I also love how we promote, well, (laughs) this is no shock, you know, promote the, that sexuality is natural and it's a very healthy part of your human experience. I mean, on my podcast just last week, we talked about good vibrations. I'm all about the good vibrations. You know that. I love being a sexual being. It makes me feel fully human. So maybe we need a love positive movement to get more excited about love, right? Because I'm going to admit to you that since my divorce, I have not been very love positive. My journey with love since divorce goes something like this. Initially, I was kind of repulsed by the idea of love again. Uh, I think I was really actually terrified because, you know, love means vulnerability. And after divorce, I did not want to be vulnerable with anyone that way. And then about three years after divorce, I began to consider it little baby steps towards love, kind of, you know, dipping my little finger into the well of love. But I clearly was not ready for love because I dated people who were really not available. Well, they weren't available to love me. And, and therefore I wasn't really available to love because 
<laughs> picking people that definitely did not reciprocate feelings. But now, five plus years after divorce, I really think that I'm ready to be love positive again. I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think I am actually ready for some love 2.0 in my life. I've said this before. I know I've said this before, but I actually really believe it now. I really do. It's kind of fun to say that on Valentine's Day. All right, now it's your turn. How do you really, really feel about love? Are you open to it? Uh, Can you not be bothered by it? Are you terrified? Are you really, really wanting it? Are you kind of neutral? Where are you at? I want to know. You should DM me. Tell me where you're at. Well, wherever you are around love after divorce, you're going to feel inspired today by my guest. She is a master relationship coach, Maxine Clancy. She's been on my podcast twice now, this episode, and then another episode from season one called Bury the Hatchet and Bloom. If you haven't listened to that episode, treat yourself. It's very healing. And Maxine has a real fresh take on love after not one, but two divorces, and I, I have a feeling, I do, that Maxine's story and her wise words, they might just they might just make you feel a little more love positive on this Valentine's Day. That's my hope at least. Because love is amazing. Love is a gift. Love is so many things. And I want love for you. And I want love for myself. So let's start this heartfelt winter replay with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. I am so happy to have my friend from across the pond, relationship and divorce coach, Maxine Clancy. How are you today? I am on fire. On fire. She is ready for her burning questions, listener. All right, we're going to jump right in 60 seconds, and these are tailored just for you. What type of accent do you find sexy? Oh, American. (laughs) On a scale of one to 10, how much do you enjoy drinking tea? Oh, I love it. Definitely a 10. What is something you commit to every day? Meditation. Are you a disco ball? Yes, definitely. I glitter all the time. How do you like to play? Fast and furious. (laughs) What's the one thing you wish you knew 20 years ago? That I could have been Ellen Pompeo in Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Do you think... Do you think being in love is just a chemical reaction? Uh, nope. What is one thing Americans assume about Brits that's not true? That we always stand in line. What makes you feel delicious? Um, dancing naked in the street. <laughs> <laughs> being divorced has taught you. That you only have one life and you got to go for it and live your best life. What is something you do that always satisfies you? Um, Have a cup of tea. (laughs) What do you do that embarrasses your kids? Oh, I just don't know anything about music. I'm terrible. How do you define love? Um, It's it's an experience it's it's something that happens in your body it's a it is a chemical reaction i think love is everywhere and inside of us and it's our true source our true nature beautiful so fantastic so delicious love the burning question answers and i knew i would because you are such a wise lady and if you remember in our conversation 
when we had our earlier episode, which was Bury the Hatchet in Bloom, which is episode 11 to the listener who wants to check it out. You and I talked about your two previous marriages and your learnings from each of them. And then you shared how in your current relationship, it's just so much different. And so that made me really curious to learn from you what's different, which came, you know, came up with this love 2.0, like what is different about love this time? And I know that we both agree that divorce has transformed us, right? You feel transformed from divorce. I feel transformed. So I refer to myself as Sadie 2.0, you know, I'm the transformed version of Mm. myself post-divorce. And so I'm just so curious about how love is now 2.0 for you. So how would you describe love now? after your divorces and this current relationship, what's different? Um, so yeah, yeah. what's different is I, I really do believe like love is our source nature. Yeah, that's, it's who we are. Love is in us. And I think in the past, I used to think that love was something outside of me that I had to go and get. So, you know, I had to be X, Y, Z in order to be loved. And I felt that my value was determined by my partners. And the difference now is I know that I am, I, like I am love. I, I can be love and I can bring love to anything or anyone. And it's up to me to be loving. And I'm not looking outside of myself to sort of have that love fulfilled. It's it's my job to love myself first and foremost. And if I'm valuing myself and loving myself, that changes the dynamic in my relationship. So I'm not I'm not going to get the, trying to get the love from my partner. Of course, we bring love and we create love together. So I think my whole perspective around love is different to how it used to be. And therefore it creates um the space for for um maybe a more authentic or a more genuine or a more unconditional love to evolve. And how did you get to that place to have that evolution? What, what was the process? For um, you? Cause I don't think you just rolled out of yeah. bed one day and said, well, you know, love is everywhere. And I, love, and <laughs> I, yeah, you know, that's no. a process. Can you share more about that? So I think the process of divorce was painful and pain is what, cracks our hearts open and it caused me to look at myself and say okay well where am I responsible because if you've been divorced once you might might not ask that question if you're divorced once you might say look what they did to me look what happened to me this is terrible and if you don't do any work which I'm not saying I did do some work on myself but I, I don't think I really fully understood how I was being a bit of a victim in my marriage and right. in my relationships mm-hmm. And so I think the process of really taking responsibility and saying, okay, how was I showing up in ways that devalued me? How was I showing up in ways? Can you share some of that for the listener? Just maybe they can connect with that. So, you know, what a typical thing that would happen is my partner would say, um, you know, I want to do this. I don't know. I want to go watch the rugby. And I would go along with it rather than just say, do you know what? That's just not my thing. I want to spend the day uh, writing a book or going to an art class. Now I don't do that. I'm going to the rugby. Now I'm, you know, writing my book, going to an art class. I'm doing the things that fill me up and not expecting my partner to fill me up. So, you know, it's about taking responsibility for my own joy and my own happiness. And whatever they bring to the table is an added bonus. Yeah. Of course, 
I'm not going to be in relationship with someone that doesn't appreciate me or doesn't value me. Oh, sure. And you must have some Um, commonalities that you both enjoy together. You're not just always going to art class and he's just always going to rugby and you're doing your separate things all the time. Right, right. So my partner loves sailing. He's He's got a boat and I love sailing. I don't love sailing as much as him. And it's okay for me to say, you go sailing this weekend with your buddies. I'm chilling out doing my thing. In the past, I would have felt compelled to have to go along with things in order to keep the peace, in order to be loved, in order to, you know, avoid the conflict. And I think that part of really, you know, love, unconditional love for yourself and others is just being more honest and real and authentic. And often we're afraid to speak up because we're afraid of the conflict. We're afraid of the difficult conversations. So I think that's where it's different. And it did take a lot of practice for you to get to that place of comfort to just say, hey, you know, this is what I'm needing and you can do what you need to do and everything's okay, and we still love each other all as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because so, so I think depending on your backgrounds and I came from quite a background where, you know, if there was conflict, it usually meant that one person loses. (laughs) And if there's conflict that it it might mean, mean the end of the relationship. So I learned in my early, my first, certainly my first marriage, avoid conflict at all costs because it could be the end of something as opposed to, and I'm not saying everybody's got that challenge. Everybody comes to relationships with their own challenges And really, it's about learning to, as you said, you know, understand what we need and being able to communicate with that partner and not thinking that our value or our worthiness to be loved is any different just because we have those needs. I know in Western society, we often get this message that you have to be so independent and that you shouldn't have needs. But how do you feel Love 2.0 is connected to having needs? Right. Great question. I love that question. I think there's a very big difference between being codependent, needy, neediness and authentic, healthy needs. Like we need to be connected. We need to feel um, that our partner cares for us. We need we need love. We need hugs. We need affection. We all need you know words of approval or praise. And there's a difference between needing your partner to praise you or say you look like, you know, if your partner generally goes, wow, you look beautiful today and that touches your soul, but needing them to say you look beautiful in order to fill yourself up and make yourself feel better about yourself is a completely different thing. And so there's a difference between that healthy need for just, you know, our humanness and the codependency type needs where you're using it to boost and make yourself feel better about yourself when really there's a gap. So I think you know, and I, 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 you know, you're right. People can make it look like our needs are invalid. We're actually, we're human. We actually do need human interaction and human touch and all that sort of thing. Right. I think one thing that I'm learning through my transformation around love is that it's okay to articulate what I need without me being needy. Yeah. And also the other side of that is, is it's okay to articulate what you need. And it's also okay for the other person if they say, I can't help you with that. Exactly. Or I can't meet that need with right. me right now. That right. doesn't make them a bad person. And the, and it's also about saying, well, what can we do to support each other to help those needs, you know, get met? What makes our society so infatuated around romantic love? Because I think romantic love is different than what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Rom- well, romantic love, I, th- I think actually, I, 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 I'm not exactly sure but romantic love I think was designed I can't remember what century but maybe 200 years ago in order um, to facilitate sort of marriage and things so that the idea that a man 
would um, protect you and, and all those different things. It was, I can't remember where I read it, but it's, I think this thing about romantic love has been perpetuated through movies and books. And, Constantly. And our whole lifetime. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost as if there's this one person that's going to fulfill your every single need. And that is just so false. And yet we buy into that. I certainly bought into that, that, that story. Well, it's <laughs> in just my so inundated match, in us. I just think it's in every yeah. song and every yeah. movie growing up. It's just the message yeah. is constant. Absolutely. And, I, but I also think that there's a part of us, like when we, you know, this, I don't, this is one thing I do not like is the phrase we fall in love because if you fall in love, you fall out of love. And it, it really almost says that we're powerless in that choice. Whereas I believe that love is a choice. I believe we can choose and we have to shoot, choose to show up and love our partners, even when they're doing the things that really irritate and annoy us, because that's it's loving unconditionally is loving every aspect of someone. Even when you don't like an aspect of someone, that's a different thing or choosing to still love them, even though you see those aspects in them. So I think this false perception of love, this romanticized perception of love is, is very much about, well, we love the person um, when they're doing the things we want them to do, <laughs> you know, when they're, when they're filling the picture. Do you think also with divorce that with, with that space for you to do your own work, discover yourself, rediscover yourself, that that has allowed you a different love towards yourself, which allows you to give a different love towards another? Yeah. I mean, funny enough, in my di second divorce, it was when I realized that I hadn't been loving my husband unconditionally and how I even despite the fact that he'd been cheating on me, that I still loved him and wanted to make things work. It made me realize, oh, my God, if I'm not loving him unconditionally, I can't love myself unconditionally. And how look how critical I am of myself and look how hard I am on myself. So it made it made me reassess the way not only what I loved him, but the way I loved myself. And I think, you know, don't I think there's no illusion here just because you do lots of work on yourselves and you create an amazing relationship, third time lucky for me, whatever you want to call it. There's still work to be done in that relationship. The relationship is going to bring up your stuff. The difference is, I really think now, is I'm much more kinder, compassionate to myself and to my partner and say, well, okay, look, this is the work. Let, what do we need to do? As opposed to, you know, taking that, creating that distance and falling into my own uh, sort of trauma bond or trauma pattern that you know people might know as attachment bonds or things and going aloof or all this sort of stuff so now I have the awareness of that pattern that might get triggered or that's showing up and I can choose something different and I think that's the beauty of working on yourself and you know relationships will bring up your stuff Absolutely. Forever. <laughs> and with your current partner, clearly he had to do some work to, to meet you where you're at. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And he's and he's still a work in progress, <laughs> you know, so it's it, it is a you know, we've just moved in together and, you know, living, moving, living with someone is different from from dating them. And even though we've been together for four years, it's still a different experience. So we're learning those nuances of, of living together and the way that you have to show up. And and the key is, is I think the key is to, is to make that commitment to yourself that you are going to show up for yourself and you're going to show up as a true reflection of your own value and worth. And you're going to see that in the other person and look to see that. My pattern was always look for what's wrong 
and then run away, <laughs> you know? And in my second marriage, I didn't do that, but my partner ran away, <laughs> you know? So in the, in the third time round, like we're both here and we're committed to, to, to work and to work through and all those sort of things. And I think that that's the reality of life. The reality of love is, is that love is, is difficult and you've got to have difficult conversations. Um, and if you start changing the little pattern that you, the patterns that you've had in the past, then you'll start to get different results. But it's, it's always an inner job. The, the relationship you have with yourself is going to be reflected in your relationships with others. What I've really appreciated so far about our conversation is just how you share how you've been really owning the part of you that wasn't at its best or wasn't, I'm going to find the words here, but, but you talked about not being the victim, you know, not pointing yeah. the finger, <clears throat> not continuing to say it's you, it's you, it's you. And I think that for me has mm. been a turning point when it comes to relationships in general, is that where I can just own my own stuff from childhood, mm. et cetera. And by doing that, I have a lot more empathy and space to allow others to be where they're at and not take it personally and not have it trigger my you know, insecurities or trigger old patterns, but just you know, like you're working through your thing. I'm working through mine. Let's have empathy for each other. Let's learn mm. more about each other. Where's that space for understanding versus blaming versus being yeah. so black and white. I think we can get really black and white around love. It's either mm. this or it's yeah. that. You're either in or you're out. And- yeah. And so, and so, you know, a lot of the work that I do with people and obviously the work I've been doing on myself over the last 30 years is, is recognizing when I'm stuck in my false identity around love. So or in other words, all the conditioning that I absorbed in childhood and, you know, back or whatever, and recognizing that as an adult, as a 52 year old woman, I have the power and the choice to step into my adultness and relate from that space. And when I'm relating from my adultness, I have a very different conversation to the the younger part of me that gets triggered in relationship, the false part of me. And so that's really what I teach people how to do. And I, and, and it's, it's always an ongoing practice. It's always reminding myself and doing the things, whether it's meditation, grounding, uh, journaling, all the different things, checking in with my needs, checking in with my feelings and knowing that I have the choice to either be in my power or to be disempowered. And when, um, and when you share all of that, my body just relaxes. I just feel so much ease around that. When, when it comes to love mm-hmm. now, I mean, when you have that mindset, so much more freeing and liberating. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because you recognize we're, just, we're, we're, we're all, we're just all, you know, inside all of us is this little child that has somewhere, even if you had the most amazing parents, the bestest parents, you know, there will be at a time, maybe 5% where they just couldn't meet your needs or didn't know how to meet your needs or just missed your needs or whatever. And so those needs are the 5%, even if you, you know, if you were that situation that are going to be knocking on your door over and over and over. And it's up to us. This is the thing. We're so powerful and we forget. We, we don't so know. Powerful. We don't realize how powerful. Yeah, we are. And, and we are the creative force. And that creative force comes through us in the way we're thinking, we're feeling. And we get stuck in, in patterns of thinking and feeling that are not true or don't serve us or, or serve like our soul, but on the day-to-day living of life, don't appear to serve us. And so when we realize, you know, we have a choice, that's, that's when we can start to shift. Love 2.0. If you are ready to experience Love 2.0, <laughs> I want you to start following Maxine Clancy on Instagram. How can the listener find you? 
Um, I'm under the Divorce Detox Coach on Instagram. Um, so follow me there and yeah, DM me. I'm always happy to have um, conversations in my DMs and have a chat about Love 2.0, calling in the one. Calling in the one. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maxine. This yep. has just filled my heart today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Lots of love. Are you putting it out there and not even getting a nibble? No, I'm not talking about your love life. I'm talking about your social media marketing life. Let me introduce you to Susan Murphy, the humane marketer. Susan gives small businesses, authors, and podcasters like me a big presence on the internet. So stop doing it all by yourself and let the humane marketer bring the shine. Contact humanemarketer at gmail.com or visit www.thehumanemarketer.com and be memorable. Now back to the show. I am going to admit it. I just love me some Maxine Clancy. I could just talk to her for hours over a cup of tea, of course. I don't know about you, but I was taking notes today. And some takeaways that I wrote down were this. Love means difficult conversations. So true. Love is always an inner job. Yes, it sure is. Your relationship with yourself is always going to be reflected in others. Indeed, that is so correct. And relationships will bring up your stuff forever. Underlined. That is so the truth. I have learned that so much in the last year. What about you? What were your takeaways from that chat today? Well, I want you to DM me. I want you to let me know. And I want you to treat yourself to a little bit more Maxine Clancy today. And you will find all of her contact information in the show notes. Well, I sure hope that your heart is full over there talking about love 2.0. I know mine is. And that makes me want to share a tip to happiness with you. Say these tips to happiness. All right. You know how much I love talking about happiness. So much so that I have now created a free eight tips to happiness download, and you can find it on my website, divorcedandhappy.net. I know eight tips. Why do five when you can do eight? So visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net. And I want you to download some happy from me to you today and feel the love. Well, today's tip to happiness is I want you to stop expecting perfection from yourself and others when it comes to love and relationships. And I say this as a recovering good girl. I know that when I was younger and I can still catch myself doing this at times, I would audition for love by showing others how good I was and how sweet I was. I worked hard for love as a, as a girl. I really felt like I had to earn love. It wasn't just given to me. But now I know when I look back, that my pursuit of perfection really robbed me of my authentic self. And I have decided, and it's, I'm a work in progress, but I have decided since my divorce that my authentic self is pretty damn delicious and so worthy of love. And so is yours. You know, divorce can cause us to feel so unworthy of so many things, especially love. But I have found a lot more happiness when I can just own my own messiness and my moments. I mean, I have had quite a few moments since my divorce, but allowing others to see me in vulnerable spaces and stand in my power of imperfection, it has led to some deep, rich connections that I never experienced when I was younger because I was so afraid that people would, would not accept the imperfect me, the imperfect Sadie. You don't have to prove yourself worthy of love. You just are worthy of love. And so am I. 
So let that, I want you to let that need to be perfect go. And I want you to relax into some love 2.0. I know that rhymed. That was fun for me. I know I'm feeling, I'm kind of feeling silly and and giddy. This, this conversation is just, it's bolstered my energy. Love 2.0. So delicious. Well, just like happiness, love is for everyone and you deserve a happy life after divorce and one that has so much love in it. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and be sure to subscribe, rate, and of course, review the podcast. And I want you to be part of this playful life after divorce community by following me on Instagram and Facebook at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. Be sure to also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net to download Sadie's eight tips to happiness. And you'll also find all of my podcast episodes on my website as well. If you found value in today's episode, or if you've been listening to the podcast for some time now, consider being an official sponsor. Just email contact at divorcedandhappy.net to learn more about this tasty opportunity. And speaking of tasty, you can also treat me to a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit buy me a coffee com backslash Sadie Marie and you can buy me a cup or two online and I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I'm your host Sadie Marie and I look forward to connecting with you on the next spicy episode. Until then, be sure to treat yourself to some delicious act two fun. <laughs>